0: One morning in August of 1945, Corporal Bill Wynne was jolted awake by a sudden, terrifying sound. The typhoon had arrived. As lashing rain and fierce winds whipped the island of Okinawa, Bill's cot was ripped from its supports and blown away. The rain was sheeting down and in seconds, Bill and his comrades were soaked to the bone. They didn't pause to think, just grabbed their cots and ran for the closest solid building, the mess hall. Along with his bed, Bill also scooped up his Yorkshire Terrier, Smokey, to carry her to safety. But Bill had moved only a few feet when his cot was snatched away from his grip and flew into the air, with Smokey's leash still attached. She was yanked along with the flying cot, tumbling through the storm, The tiny dog wasn't alone in the sky. Huge sheets of corrugated metal spun like feathers caught in a breeze, their sharp edges posing a deadly threat. Bill gave chase to the airborne cot, his eyes fixed on Smokey. About 50 feet from where his tent once stood, he managed to snatch both cot and dog and turned to follow his comrades to take shelter. When they had reached the relative safety of the mess hall, Bill placed his cot against a solid wall, making sure Smokey was okay. She perched atop the bed, a little windswept but otherwise fine. After all, she'd once parachuted in the jungles of New Guinea. This typhoon wasn't going to shake a brave war dog like her. Welcome to Dog Tales, a Parcast Original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alistair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dogtales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dogtales in the search bar. This week, we're telling the story of Smokey, a tiny Yorkshire Terrier who accompanied her human, Bill Wynn, during his service in World War II. Even in the middle of a war zone, Smokey's elaborate tricks lifted people's spirits wherever she went. All his life, Bill Wynne sought solace with dogs. After his father abandoned the family, Bill spent two years living at an orphanage where he brought all manner of small creatures back to the cottage institution. He and the other boys somehow got their hands on badgers, snakes, and even owls to befriend and smuggle back to the orphanage. When Bill returned home to his family, he kept up his habit of befriending stray animals. One of his most beloved childhood friends was Pal, the puppy of a stray his mother allowed him to share with a friend. Pal, a muscly, bulldog-Staffordshire terrier mix, proved incredibly receptive to training. He would ride on sleds down snowdrifts, then pull the sled back up the hill. On command, he'd jump to snatch Bill's hat off his head and drop it at his feet. The word up sent Pal leaping into the boy's arms so he could carry the dog across a busy street or keep him out of reach of other dogs. Even in adolescence, Bill displayed a deft touch and patience for training his canine friends. Usually, Pal walked Bill home from school, but one day, he didn't show up. Bill waited for weeks, hoping his dog would appear. But eventually, he had to admit, Pal was gone. Bill was crushed. He loved the dog more than anything and losing him was a heartbreak he'd never felt before. Bill vowed he'd never let anyone, animal or human, reach his heart that way again. That promise was impossible to keep. In 1942, Bill's girlfriend, Margie, gifted him a puppy named Toby for his 20th birthday. Toby was a German Shepherd-Doberman-Pincher mix, and when he was about six months old, Bill enrolled him in obedience classes. The course was offered by the Cleveland All-Breed Training School as part of an initiative to supply trained dogs for the war effort. However, it was Bill, not Toby, who was called to serve. Five weeks into the program, Bill's numbers came up and he was drafted into a division of the Army that would later develop into the Air Force. With photography experience from high school, Bill was sent to the Army Air Force's 26th Photo Recon Squadron, which was tasked with performing reconnaissance missions in the Southwest Pacific Theater. By 1943, he was stationed with the squadron in New Guinea. There, in a darkened tent, he first met a tiny Yorkshire Terrier. The excitable young pup was spinning around the tent with an energy far outsized for her frame. At seven inches, she stood no taller than Bill's GI boots and her baseball-sized head was crowned with the same golden fur that covered her legs. Her body was steel gray and when he stooped to pick her up, she weighed only four pounds. In that first meeting, Bill knew he wanted the happy little dog. After asking around, he discovered a GI had found her in a foxhole by the side of the road and brought her to camp. Bill tracked down the dog's new owner and offered him two Australian pounds for her, which was about $6.50 in US currency, or 10% of Bill's monthly wages. The deal was struck and the pint-sized terrier moved into her new home. Looking at the grey hue of her body, Bill decided that Smokey was an apt name. Excited to have a new companion, Bill began training Smokey right away. Using firm commands mixed with lots of encouragement, he taught her the basics – sit, heel and stay. Once she mastered those simple commands, it was time for some party tricks. First up was learning to sing. Bill loved to play the harmonica, and it seemed only fitting that Smokey join in the musical fun. To get her started, he played a few bars, then signal to her with an owl, which got her howling and crying along with the music. However, some of Bill's tent buddies didn't appreciate Smokey's musical stylings, so her next trick was one that made no noise at all. Playing dead was trickier than the rest of the moves in her repertoire, but Smokey was a quick study. She wouldn't even move when Bill gently poked at her. He could pick her up and roll her from one hand to the other before placing her gently back on the ground. Only when he declared, OK, would the little dog jump to her feet and race back to his side, anxious to be told she'd done a good job. The trick was a real crowd pleaser at the camp, and Smokey was ever more popular. So when Yank Down Under magazine ran a contest to find the best mascots for each squadron and unit, Bill knew he had to enter. Smokey's submission needed photos, so Bill and his friends came up with some creative ideas. The first was an easy choice. Smokey sat inside of Bill's GI helmet. Her fuzzy, grinning face could just be seen poking out of the top of the helmet amongst the forest scrub. But to really get the magazine's attention, Bill needed something that would really make Smokey stand out. For her second photo, she was going airborne. A Yorkie-sized parachute was rigged up for her using a pilot parachute, a smaller chute that opens before the main one. Bill crafted a harness out of a money belt. A suitable tree was chosen, some helpful friends were enlisted, and the photo shoot began. One of the G.I.s climbed about 30 feet up a tree. From there, he took careful aim and dropped Smokey. The seven-pound pup drifted towards the ground where Bill and a colleague waited with an outstretched blanket. Another buddy snapped the photos and the entry was mailed off. While waiting to find out if Smokey was a winner, Bill was struck down with a high fever and sent to a nearby field hospital. He was diagnosed with dengue fever and had to remain in bed for several days. On his third day in the hospital, he had a visitor, Smokey. A couple of his buddies came to check in and bring Bill his mail. Obviously, Smokey insisted on tagging along. As the tiny dog scrambled over Bill in bed, he opened his mail. He had a letter from Yank Down Under magazine congratulating Smokey on winning first place in the mascot contest. He flipped through the latest issue to find her picture and there she was, grinning up at him from page 11. After the celebration died down, a doctor stopped by to check on Bill and declared that Smokey was permitted to stay with him until he was well again. When a nurse noticed the happy little Yorkie, they asked if she could be brought to other patients in the hospital to cheer them up. While Bill rested, the delighted nurses carried Smokey from ward to ward. After her win in the mascot competition, they announced her as the champion mascot of the Southwest Pacific area. Just months earlier, Smokey was trapped in an abandoned foxhole and could have easily gone unnoticed. Now, she was carried aloft through the hospital, lifting the spirits of all who saw her, a bona fide champion mascot and friend. And her journey was only just beginning. Coming up, Smokey steals hearts around the world. Now, back to the story. When 22-year-old Bill Wynn was hospitalized with dengue fever in 1944, his little dog Smokey was brought into the hospital to cheer him up. Seeing how much joy the Yorkshire Terrier brought to him, the nurses took Smokey on excursions to other wards to lift the patient's spirits. Shortly after he was released from Field Hospital, Bill was encouraged to take leave. So, he and Smokey packed their bags and hopped a plane south to Brisbane, Australia. When they arrived in Townsville, Queensland, The drop in temperature from the equatorial heat of New Guinea had both Bill and Smoky shivering. The northern part of Australia was still quite warm, but they were used to the sweltering tropics. Smoky needed some layers. One of their first stops was at a hobby shop, where Bill found a felt tablecloth that was just right for what he had in mind. He brought the fabric to volunteers at the Red Cross who were sewing patches and stripes onto servicemen's uniforms. For the skilled seamstresses, crafting a coat for Smokey was a cinch. After a few hours of work, she was bedecked in a full garment that wrapped around her torso with straps at her chest and stomach and a beaded border for the perfect finish. It was also embellished with a fifth Air Force patch corporal stripes to match Bill's rank, a brass propeller button, and other patches usually reserved for the enlisted. Now, Smokey looked like a real mascot. And she was turning heads too. When a small crowd gathered around her outside a Brisbane tavern, one woman asked if she could have her. Later in a different city, another woman actually picked Smokey up and ran away with her. Bill was forced to chase the woman down and argue with her in the middle of the sidewalk to get his dog back. But not every encounter was as traumatic as that. Soon, they got the chance to help spread some joy. After spending a few days enjoying the sights, sounds and smells of Brisbane, Bill and Smokey were approached by Barbara Wood Smith. Miss Smith worked for the Red Cross and thought Smokey might help lift the spirits of wounded sailors and marines at the 109th Fleet Naval Hospital. Bill was happy to oblige and brought Smokey along to say good day. They visited eight wards in total. As always, Smokey's dead dog act brought the house down, but she also earned hearty applause for her latest trick, the grapevine. Together, She and Bill had mastered a manoeuvre wherein Smokey passed through his legs while he walked through the ward. According to Bill, it was a real showstopper. After their first visits, Smokey and Bill continued to entertain at other Red Cross facilities in Brisbane. During one stop, a volunteer noticed Smokey's decorated coat. She declared that Smokey was an American Red Cross worker and removed her own ARC pin from her lapel and affixed it to Smokey's. Soon after, a member of the Women's Army Corps decided that as a female in the Army, Smokey was an official member of the WAC too. She donated her own lapel pin to Smokey's growing collection, and the Yorkie returned to New Guinea handsomely decorated. After settling back into camp life in New Guinea, Bill decided it was time for Smokey to learn more tricks to enhance future performances. He had lofty ambitions for his pint-sized pal, a tightrope walk. And to make things more impressive, he was confident she could manage the feat blindfolded. First, he needed to create the tightrope. He enlisted the help of a sheet metal expert in the company to construct a steel pipe structure then used aircraft cables as parallel tightropes. Everything was bolted to the hard coral shores near the camp. At first, Bill gently placed Smokey so she was standing on the two wires. Once she seemed confident balancing on the cables, he began guiding her across the divide. She was only about four feet above the ground, but he kept a tight grip on her leash lest she take a tumble once she'd mastered the initial walk the addition of a blindfold barely slowed her down before long she was performing the trick like a seasoned acrobat without the safety of her leash with the high wire conquered it was time for something new a barrel walk using an empty 55 gallon oil drum bill would gently nudge the barrel so that it rolled slowly forward once again He used the leash to steady Smokey while she found her footing. Eventually, Smokey could jump up and down from the drum on command and take a casual stroll on a rolling barrel. And if Smokey could master one big wheel, why not two smaller ones? Using his jungle knife, Bill carved a wooden crate into a scooter about 12 inches long. Pulleys used to move airplane control cables made excellent improvised wheels for the tiny vehicle. Once it was done, it took Smokey next to no time to ride the scooter like a pro. It seemed there was nothing she couldn't do. Eventually, it was time for the squadron to move on from New Guinea. Smokey didn't mind being carried in a small bag and was unfazed by the journey to their next assignment in the Philippines. Once they arrived, Smokey was immediately put to work. One sunny afternoon, not long after they'd set up camp in the provincial capital of Lingayen, Sergeant Bob Gap from the communications section dropped by the camp to ask for Smokey's help. Up until now, Smokey had largely been providing much-needed morale boosts, but here was a chance to prove her usefulness beyond her innate charm and talent for tricks. At a nearby airstrip, a telephone wire needed to run underneath the taxiway, which was some 60 feet across. To avoid having to dig up the taxiway, which would cause havoc to the flying schedules, Sergeant Gap thought Smokey could pull the gap through an existing pipe that ran beneath the strip. At 8 inches across, there weren't many dogs who could squeeze into the opening. But Smokey, who stood 7 inches tall on a good day, was the perfect size. Bill agreed on her behalf on the condition that Sergeant Gap and his men would dig the pipe up to rescue her if anything went wrong. When the time came, the lightweight string was tied to Smokey's collar and she was positioned at the mouth of the tiny pipe. Bill waited, crouched in front of the opening on the other end. When everything was set, he called out to her and she trotted forward. In some sections, sand had leaked in and formed small piles, forcing Smokey to squeeze through a smaller opening. But she handled it like a pro, making her way steadily past the obstacles. Nothing was going to stop her reaching Bill again. When she was about 15 feet away from the end, Bill could see her amber, almond-shaped eyes growing closer. He held out his hands and called to her again, and she broke into a run. In seconds, she leaped into his outstretched arms, delighted by the reunion. She'd done it. As Bill and Sergeant Gap jumped up and down with excitement, their pint-sized hero matched their enthusiasm with tiny bounds of her own. Smokey had just saved her comrades days of work installing the telephone wire. The string she had pulled through could now be used to feed the wire under the taxiway in a matter of minutes. Sergeant Gap was so pleased, he headed for the mess hall to fetch the Orky the biggest steak she could possibly eat. With the completion of this vital task, Smokey graduated from mascot to bona fide war dog. It didn't take long for word to spread about the tiny dog who had accomplished a huge feat. When the editor of Wingding, a newsletter sent to all squadrons heard about the story, he published an article on Smokey with an accompanying photo. For the shoot, they had Smokey retrace her steps underneath the airfield. With that hard work behind them, and with publicity about Smokey growing, Bill decided it was time to put together a proper act. A variety show was scheduled for that coming April, and Smokey had been asked to perform. Bringing Smokey's routine together was a community effort. Bill hired a local carpenter to construct a small ladder so Smokey could climb up to her high wire and a slide so she could perform a fun dismount at the other end. Once the equipment was complete, Bill enlisted the talents of a local seamstress to create a pair of clown costumes using colorful pieces of salvaged parachutes. A tiny aircrew cap was donated by the squadron's parachute riggers to complete the look now it was just time to do a little more rehearsal and take to the stage but bill ever ambitious decided to try for one more trick he thought it would be impressive if smoky could spell her name for her audience using cardboard he created large letters s m o k y for weeks they practiced the trick in theory Bill would scatter the letters randomly on stage. Then, when given the command, Smokey would sit up next to each of the jumbled letters in the correct order. But after a couple months of hard work, Smokey still didn't get it. Bill decided it was probably a little complex for her and forgot about it. Besides, Smokey had more than enough tricks prepared for the variety show. As April dawned, Smokey and Bill felt as prepared as they could be. However, just before showtime, Bill pulled out. He told his superiors that Smokey wasn't ready for the stage, when, really, it was his nerves that had gotten the better of him. But he was determined not to back out if the chance to perform ever came up again. And he didn't have to wait long. Shortly after the talent show, Barbara Wood-Smith, the woman who had brought Bill and Smokey into the hospitals in Australia, Sent Bill a letter. She asked if he and Smokey would travel to Manila, a little over 100 miles away, to perform at a General Army hospital. Taking the full complement of equipment to the hospital was out of the question. Still, the pair visited 15 wards and performed a shortened version of their routine, including a new dancing trick Bill called the Jitterbug. He and Smokey would face each other. Lift opposite feet four times, then spin in a circle. The perfect little swing dance. The visit was a hit, and Bill was asked to be on the Red Cross weekly radio show that broadcast across the USA. Within weeks, Smokey's story had made it back home to Bill's family and friends. Even Bill's comrades started receiving letters from home asking about Smokey. She was famous and the now-renowned pooch was on the move again. As the Allies marched closer to victory, Bill's unit was moved once more, this time to the Japanese island of Okinawa. And it was here that Smokey and Bill gave their first full performance of all their tricks. At the Servicemen's Recreation Hall run by the Red Cross, Smokey performed beautifully in time with her accompanying music, When the show was over, the servicemen in the audience roared their adoration. Truly, a star was born that day. By then, Bill's time in the Air Force was at last drawing to a close. On the 6th of August 1945, the United States dropped a nuclear bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. Then, on the 9th, They dropped another on Nagasaki. After that, a cessation of hostilities was agreed upon. The war was over. At last, the enlisted men and women, the volunteers and the war dogs were all going home. Just as long as they made it onto the ship. Coming up, Smokey the show dog becomes a sneaky stowaway. Now, back to the story. In August of 1945, World War II had finally drawn to a close. 23-year-old Corporal Bill Wynn and his Air Force comrades, now on the island of Okinawa, Japan, were set to go home to the United States. But before they left for the ship across the Pacific, they had to survive an incoming typhoon. The island was in the direct path of the storm, So Bill and his colleagues spent a few days trying to prepare their temporary camp to withstand the maelstrom. But their efforts proved futile. As morning approached and the storm continued to bear down on the troops, their tent was ripped from the ground and flew through the air like a kite. Soon after, Smokey was whipped from Bill's hands and cartwheeled in the gale. He managed to chase her down as well as the cot she was attached to and make it to the safety of the still standing mess hall. They spent the next few days hunkered in the building as rain blew in through the partially demolished roof. They'd spent years in the Pacific waiting to go home. Now, so close to the finish line, mother nature threatened to take it all away. But eventually, the storm passed over the island, offering Bill and Smokey a reprieve. Having made it through their first typhoon, they travelled to Korea to meet the ship that was to take them home. In preparation for the long journey, Bill reorganised his bags and in doing so, found the cardboard letters he had made when teaching Smokey to spell her own name. With curious onlookers around, He set the letters up in a jumbled order just to have one final try at the trick. When he was ready, he called out, Smokey, spell your name. He watched in amazement as the little dog trotted to the letter S and sat up. When he said next, she moved to the letter M. In front of a disbelieving audience, Smokey correctly spelled her name. When she was done, he pulled her into a hug and showered her with praise. Just to be sure, he had her repeat the feat, which she did with ease. Looking back on the moment, Bill mused that perhaps the Yorkie had rebelled against the way he had initially taught her the trick, which was a more hands-on method than she was used to. Now, with time away from the experience, she demonstrated that she knew what he wanted, but was willing to wait until the moment was right. Now, with yet another trick in her bag, it was time for Smokey to set sail with Bill once more. But first, he had to smuggle her aboard the ship. He'd heard that some dogs were kicked off ships at ports along the route between the South Pacific and the US, and others had been thrown overboard. He was determined for Smokey to avoid either fate. Luckily, her small size made her easy to conceal. To keep her a secret, he cut a small hole into a small oxygen mask bag. He covered the hole with mesh so Smokey could breathe, then coaxed her into the bag. With the dog hidden among a few toiletries and socks, it was unlikely anyone would notice her tiny form, even if Bill was asked to open the bag. As luck would have it, Smokey made it on board the ship without any fuss at all. Bill kept her safe, and when they arrived back on US soil two weeks later, it was a quick cross-country journey back to Cleveland, Ohio. Finally back home, Bill was overjoyed to be reunited with his fiancee, Margie, as well as his German shepherd mix Toby and cat, Lucky, Smokey's new siblings. The first week back in Bill's hometown was surely a delight for the young Yorkie, who had a new world of sights and smells to discover. But she and Bill couldn't spend all their time relaxing. Before long, word got around that the famous Smokey had come home to Cleveland. A reporter from the Cleveland Press requested an interview and asked Bill to bring Smokey along too. The next day, Bill arrived at the offices carrying Smokey's oxygen mask bag under his arm. After introducing himself to the reporter, Eleanor Prech, he unzipped the bag and the tiny dog trotted out to greet her new friend. It didn't take long for a gaggle of Eleanor's colleagues to gather around her desk. They asked to see some of Smokey's tricks and she performed just as well as ever, delighting the small audience. The paper's editor declared Smokey and Bill a great story and summoned a photographer. A small photo shoot was staged so that Smokey could perform her tricks for the camera. A makeshift high wire was set up by tying two pieces of string between chairs for a superb action shot of her high wire showstopper. The next day, Bill picked up a copy of the Cleveland Press, expecting to have to rifle through the pages to find Smokey's photograph. He was shocked to see that she had made the front page. The headline, Tiny Dog Home From The War, was accompanied by four pictures from the photo shoot. Smokey was an immediate hero in Cleveland, and Bill's phone began ringing off the hook. One of the very first callers was Captain Arthur Roth of the Cleveland Police Department, Captain Roth had often worked with children, sometimes giving shows about traffic safety at schools. Now, Captain Roth wanted Smokey's help. He was giving a series of Christmas shows for children in a Cleveland neighborhood with high delinquency rates and thought Smokey's act would be a big hit. Bill was honored to work alongside the captain and happily brought his little friend to the theater every day for a week. And that was only the beginning of Smokey's rise to fame and glory. Other charities and businesses were putting on special shows for the holidays and it seemed everyone in town wanted Smokey for their end of year celebration. Delighted by the love for his little dog, Bill accepted every invitation to perform with or without payment. He would surprise the crowd by bringing Smokey in her oxygen mask bag from which the famed dog emerged to start the show. He shared her story and told them about her training routine. Ever the proud pet parent, he boasted about her title of first place mascot and her successful trip underneath the airfield. While Cleveland audiences fell for Smokey, Wire Services picked up Eleanor Pretcher's article from the Cleveland Press. Before long, the story was printed in newspapers across the country the added attention only increased the demand for performances, though not everyone seemed to understand the magic Smokey could work on a crowd. In 1940s vaudeville shows, animal acts were often openers, billed lower down, perhaps because directors or promoters felt they weren't true stars. But whenever this happened to Bill and Smokey, they always had the last laugh. After opening a show, The audience response was so rapturous, the director would ask Bill to move to the final slot for any future performances. No one wanted to follow the biggest little dog in Cleveland. And Smokey thrived in the spotlight. According to Bill, she always performed her routine perfectly during rehearsals. But once she got in front of an audience, her cheeky side emerged and she hammed it up for the crowd. Part of that act was a series of small hurdles Smokey was supposed to leap over. But during some shows, she just didn't feel like jumping and would walk around some of the obstacles. Initially mortifying to Bill, this small quirk delighted the audiences, who loved seeing the little dog show Bill who was boss. After the shows, Bill and Smokey were greeted at the stage door by children and adults alike, who wanted to see the dog up close and ask for an autograph. Everyone was excited to meet the talented little Yorkie and to tell Bill about their own pets, each extraordinary in their own way. But vaudeville acts weren't the only places Bill and Smokey performed to adoring crowds. After working at hospitals during the war, Bill was only too happy to bring his act to the wards of Kryle Hospital a local facility for the war wounded. On one particular occasion, nurses assembled a small group of patients in wheelchairs. When Smokey started performing her tricks, one of the men began bouncing up and down in his chair and made excited gurgling noises. He held out his arms to Smokey and a nurse asked Bill if the man could hold her. With Smokey in his arms, the patient rocked her back and forth. Smiling. The nurses watched with tears in their eyes. After the show, they told Bill the man had been catatonic. Until Smokey, he hadn't responded to any stimuli for two full years. But somehow, her joyous act had reached him. Beyond the walls of the hospital, Smokey's fame continued to grow and Bill soon heard from the program chairman of the Cleveland Classic Dog Show. Smokey was invited to perform at the 1946 event and received a surprise on the day. Not only did she get to perform her beloved act in the center ring before the Best in Show award, Smokey also received all the ribbons for the Yorkshire Terrier category. In the 1940s, Yorkies were a rare breed. And it had been nine years since the last one entered the Cleveland Classic. It was yet another feather in Smokey's already brimming cap. By 1946, Smokey had been with Bill for about three years, and their friendship was stronger than ever. Over the next few years, the two went on many adventures together. They were contacted by members of the Chicago Animal Shelter who had Smokey photographed with a homeless dog to help encourage Americans to adopt shelter animals instead of buying them. At one point, the pair joined a travelling zoo wagon that roamed between Cleveland parks on summer evenings. These outdoor shows attracted crowds as large as a thousand, with anyone in walking distance excited to get up close to a variety of animals from the Cleveland Zoo. And though their fame and schedule kept Bill and Smokey busy, they still found time to carry on with their lives. In September of 1946, Bill married Margie, and the three of them travelled to Hollywood to try their luck in show business. While in California, Smokey caught the eye of renowned animal trainers who declared her one of the better trained animals they'd ever seen. Bill had some success working as an animal handler and trainer for a short while, but eventually decided the career wasn't sustainable. But their entertainment career was far from over. Bill and Smokey continued performing in venues as diverse as nightclubs, ice hockey rinks and boxing matches. Cleveland's first television broadcast hit the airwaves in 1947 and Smokey appeared on some of the earliest shows. Eventually, the duo booked a weekly spot on the children's show, Castles in the Air. Each week, they performed a new trick for the audience. In 42 shows, they never once repeated the same skill. Through it all, the fame never went to Bill or Smokey's heads. They remained grounded, sincere, and kind. They regularly visited children's hospitals around Cleveland to lift the spirits of patients and their families who knew them from their work on Castles in the Air. The pair even participated in one of the earliest telethons. In 1954, little Smokey largely retired from performing. She'd been delighting audiences in Australia, New Guinea, Japan and the United States for over 10 years. And it was time for a rest. For her remaining years, the main trick Smokey was asked to perform was loving her friend Bill. And of all her impressive feats, That was the best of them all. Flash forward to Veterans Day 2005. A new statue was unveiled in Cleveland Metro Park's Rocky River Reservation. Sitting atop a two-ton blue granite base, the monument was built in memory of all dogs of war and marked the final resting place of the tiny hero it immortalized. Among the 400 human guests in attendance that November day, Corporal Bill Wynne was perhaps the most proud. As he looked at the gleaming bronze likeness of Smokey, grinning at him from inside a GI helmet, he couldn't help but smile back at her. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. For more information about Smokey, we found the book Yorkie Doodle Dandy, a memoir by Bill Wynn, extremely helpful to our research. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast Originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcar Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Alastair Murden.